when we were on the job. Yes, yeah. It's worse. Late it's worse. 80s it's worse. and early 90s was very challenging. Yeah. So where are we, Bill? We're about uh, 30 seconds away. I'll tell you, we're probably going to be go. We'll probably go up a little bit early. We're at 6:59, but it's hard for me. We're, we're we're live right now, so we're up. You can do better, Bill. I know. I, I can't time it exactly <laughs> directly. Bill you know? does everything, man. All right, I'll, we're uh, we can hold off and say as soon as I see it strike seven, we can say we're live now. But we're on Facebook Live right now. So. All right, so here we go. What's up, everybody? Uh, I hope you guys are tuning in. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm one of your hosts here at Police Off the Cuff and my partner in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Yo, man, I, I got a blast from the past. You know, Mike was also my professor at John Jay in the master's program. He taught right, that's amazing. Cyber crime. Yeah. Okay, this is this is very exciting. Uh, today we have a retired uh, what, 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 detective of what grade? I uh, retired as a second grade detective. A retired second grade detective. Um, he was in a, a computer crimes expert. Now he's the co-founder of uh, Net Thunder. He's going to tell us all about it. Mike Fabosi, what's up, Mike? Hello, what's up? Uh, Coming come to us from Santa Al Santa. What's it called? I am. Uh, I live in Palo Alto, California, which is Silicon Valley. It's sort of the headquarters of a lot of uh, startups. Actually, Facebook, the original office, was on the block that I live on. Hey, how were uh, you received over there since you were a cop? So when I first moved here, I wouldn't tell anybody for a couple of years. And then over time, when people found out, they were like, wow, that's so cool. Like NYPD, that is amazing. They really were into it because most of the people out here were tech people. So they started companies, they were founders, they were investors. And so they never met anybody like, my, like me, uh, an NYPD detective. So, you know, they, you know, they want to hear war stories, but just, just kind of being in the presence is like us meeting someone in a, in a different climate, a different world. And, and, you know, you want to hear stories about them. So, so it's, it's been fun. Well, you're sort of like a gentleman detective too. Like you were like, you, you know, you did the uh, cerebral stuff, you know, cybercrime is a lot of thought into that, right? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go back a little bit about how you got involved in that. So you came on the job in 1985? 1985, uh, July. What were you like 12 years old? Uh, <laughs> I was actually just 20. So when I graduated from the academy, I had a gun and badge and I couldn't buy alcohol. They didn't put you in that, in that squad to buy alcohol? You go, you go no, there for... Uh, no. I, ha I had it, I had it. Uh, at that time there were, uh, the NYPD had, and the, there was three different agencies. There was transit housing and NYPD and I was assigned that. Uh, transit in the beginning. So I rode trains from eight at night to four in the morning. You got fucked, huh? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> the radios didn't work. Uh, you know, you're on your own. And you, like, you probably look like you were 12 years old. I, I think I did. No, so the, even, the trains, and even the trains back then was scary with all the graffiti on them. They were filthy, dirty, you know. I mean, I rode the, the train that was a beast on Central Park West. They called it the beast. It looked like a cell block on Rikers Island. Oh yeah, those old trains were just just riggedy and and metal and and actually the windows were filled with graffiti. Uh, you know you couldn't see out of it. One and that train actually goes to all the way to Coney Island. And one one night uh, I was we we were, I was getting starting my shift, and the train is pulling out. And the last car 
you know, sort of like the last car where like where the bad guys were, you know, they're smoking weed, but also they had a barbecue on the train because it had started to rain. So they brought the barbecue, oh, barbecue on the train. <laughs> they're like, oh, uh, you know, officer, officer. I was like, uh, I'll take it. Well done, uh, burger, please. <laughs> yeah, I used to love seeing people that would actually move using the train. Like they got a, a bed, <laughs> bringing a bed on the train. Like, what are they doing? Oh, they're moving. They can't afford a truck. That's how they move. <laughs> oh, right, right. So how many years did you spend in transit? Uh, it was nine years. And wow. I worked uh, anti-crime. I uh, worked robbery squad there. Um, you used to hide behind the door? Uh, oh, the therapy? The therapy? I, I, really, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't like that too much. But, but what I did was I used to look at the, the like complaint reports and to see where crime was going to happen. So you're talking about cerebral, like the, before there was like uh, predictive policing, like I would look at the complaint reports and say, hey, there's, there's a robbery, you know, every day at 1230 or every Friday at 1230 at this station and be, you know, plain clothes and, and stake it out. So, so yeah, yeah, I used to do that too, but th that was the places I wanted to avoid. <laughs> make sure make sure you stay away from 125th street <laughs> and, right. and Broadway from noon to 3 p.m because that's when the kids get out of school right did you, right did you work with uh, jack maple yeah jack maple was a lieutenant in the robbery squad and also the decoy unit the decoy unit was really interesting like they, had, they a, had a problem back then with the decoy unit they were so they were flaking people well, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know about I that. Go there. Yeah, they had a but I, got locked up. there was, I don't know about that, but I know that they undercovers would wear a gold chain. And in those days, you know, people would reach in and snatch the chain. And so the, the plain clothes would get them. And, and transit had their own language. When they, the operation was off, they go, maple, 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 right? <laughs> I don't best, know. The best thing ever written on a complaint report was, the perp fled to parts unknown. That was a transit experience. That was definitely a transit thing. Parts <laughs> unknown. If I could go there, I'd find all the bad guys. Perp fled to earth. <laughs> that's I, that's it's really hard to you know, it's, especially since um, you know, you figure you're this computer guy, right? And uh, you know, you you probably had uh, what what we refer to as a career uh, with your balls dipped in butter, but. Uh, <laughs> That's a term Mike that we've never heard that expression before. You know? Yeah, you know, that you were hooked up. But were you really into computers or your whole life? And the first nine years on the job in transit, you were good in computers? No, not at all. And the first nine years, I was I wanted to be a detective. That's all I wanted to do. I, I wanted to solve crimes. And so I so I was able able to do a career path in robbery squad to detective. When the, when the three departments merged, um, I was assigned to the 3-0 detective squad. So that that's in Washington Heights in upper New York. And in 1994-95, there, there were uh, probably 100 homicides just in the one precinct, which is yeah, really 3 3-0 was small, but it was a rocking little precinct. It was quite busy. It was quite busy. And shootings and homicides and, and all, all types of crimes. Yeah. Uh, and so... It was it was a tough commute for me and uh, and where were you living? I, well, I was living in Staten Island at the time. Oh my God! Driving someone, up to someone didn't like you. They gave you like a, a ruler transfer. They take out a map, a ruler, and they see what the furthest place from where you live. 
right, right. <laughs> well, you know what happened was there there was a uh, there was a a problem in the three zero precinct right before then, and they called it the dirty thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Backfilled a lot of cops and and detectives into that precinct, um, and so I was there for a while, and I had solved the triple homicide there, and I, I was doing uh, I was doing the perp walk. Into the, and uh, there was an office with three perps. What do you got? Like you put them on a daisy chain. And you just and you. you... <laughs> well, the triple homicide. It was the th that means three people died. No, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Two people committed the crime. That's a triple <laughs> homicide. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that means two perps and fourteen guys from the squad do the perp walk. <laughs> Everyone sure. wants to get on camera, right? But there, there was it was there was so much work. Nobody, yeah, it wasn't like that. It wasn't Midtown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of those, if you look at some of those uh, homicide cases, the the reports, man, some of them were like three pages. <laughs> you Back know, that that time, yeah, because you had yeah, so you many. get a hundred homicides, man. This is, you're not doing a full out investigation in every case, man. No, it was a lot different. Uh, it was it was yeah, just clear as the best you could. And so, so uh, there was a, there was a unit back then called the Career Criminal Investigations Unit, and someone had uh, the lieutenant came out to the squad detectives and they're like, "Hey, we're looking to pick up some people. Does anybody know anyone?" And the detective sitting at the desk goes, "And and you know the detectives are watching TV, so on New York One, which I don't even know if it's still around, but they're like, I know that guy, and and it, and so the lieutenant goes, call him, see if he wants to come, and so serendipity <laughs> happens and. And the guy says, "Hey, you want to come to CCIU?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, it's 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 Manhattan. It's it's one PP or in Brooklyn. And so I got transferred to Manhattan, which That's was the best idea I ever heard about a perp walk. How a perp walk led to a job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was that? What did, what was the CCIU? What did it stand for? That was Career Criminal Investigations Unit. And so if you made an arrest, you'd have to call a number. And then we had we, yeah. we had these computers at CCIU and see if he was on the career criminal list. Well, you know, Mike, that, that sounds, it's so antiquated because the squad really didn't have the same computers that CCIU did. So they would run this stuff and they'd say, yeah, he's a target or he's not a target, bring him up to us, right? Right. But it's like, you know, I remember when we first got computers, they were like, every detective's gonna have his own workstation. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I couldn't believe that the department actually was still you've been using carbons and typewriters that the department was going to give every detective a workstation. That, that that's so true. I, I had a friend of mine who was in technology in New York City and he wanted to try to apply for a pistol license. And he calls me and he goes, This it says on the form, this form must be typed. He goes, Where do you find a typewriter? These yeah. days? <laughs> Yeah, that's all antiquated police department. You know, back then we were still hitting rocks together to make a spark to, to start fire, you know? That is true. Black pens, you had to write in the black pen. Yeah, black pen. Why you had to let, write in the black pen because uh, when you send the facts over, if you wrote in blue, they couldn't see it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's, even, a Mark, yeah, there's another thing. Facts, a fax machine. Who has a fax machine anymore? You know right. how long it took me after I retired to actually use a blue pen? Like I, I just it couldn't I couldn't do it, you know? Like I could I borrow a pen for a second, or if I picked up a pen and wrote blue, I'd have to look for a black one. <laughs> <laughs> when when I sign contracts now, if I'm like uh, working with different companies, 
I sign my contracts in blue. So if it's fact, um, not facts, if it's, if it's scanned, you could see uh, the original and not the original. Oh shit, wow, that's interesting. So now you get into this unit and I guess you're doing a lot, you're doing computer work because you're working everybody up. And right. you also have access to, like Bill mentioned, um, you know, stuff that the regular squad guys couldn't get. You guys got Lexus Nexus. I know that's an antiquated system now, but it, maybe they updated it. But there was a couple of other things that, you know, you guys ran for us. Eventually, it became the the, the you know the center, the crime center down in one right. that you'd call up for a workup. But you guys were doing it originally, right? I just, I'll just back up a little bit. So so CCIU at one point was was disbanded, and then they uh, I was transferred to special frauds doing white collar crime, and oh, so wow. I did bank and securities fraud cases mostly. And ID theft, which uh, ID theft wasn't even a term yet. I, they, 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 we used to call it account takeover, like you'd steal someone's account. You, but Mike, you did the investigations that were the best uh, training to have for the job in the outside world. That yeah. is white collar yeah. crime, uh, you know. Brilliant, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, ID theft, you know, all these things were, were coming. And hey, you, you know, were getting all the training on how to do it. It was a perfect thing. That's probably why you're a multimillionaire now. Hey, uh, wow. you know, it's funny, you know, <laughs> since you worked in transit and you were arresting a certain type of person for a long time, and then now you start arresting uh, white collar crimes, right? different type of person. Which one did you enjoy more? So I really enjoyed arresting the white collars much better because one, they, have, they had the uh, education, they had the opportunity, and they still decided to steal. I, you know, I once, it was so funny. I had this case, I had to go to Goldman Sachs and Goldman Sachs is a pretty uh, big financial institution, kind of, you know, fancy. And you walk in and it's like, wow, last month, you know, I was in a, in a, a projects in, in Washington Heights and now I have uh, Oak uh, and, and Marble and they're like, hey, would you like some sushi and <laughs> for the interview? I'm like, uh, uh, no, thank you. Well, some rice and beans if you can, if you got it. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was in the Warren squad uh -huh. and I had a warrant for a guy that worked in uh, Morgan Stanley, I think in uh, the World Trade Center. Right. So I had tried to get in touch with him on the phone. What happened was he had hit somebody in the bar with a, gl uh, a glass in the back of the head. He messed the guy up really bad. And it was uh, it was an unprovoked incident. So I had like I really wanted to get this guy and then he wasn't answering my call. So I went to Morgan Stanley. And I, I went right to the desk and I said, I need to see the whoever the office manager. Right. And then I said, get us a room. So we went in the room. I said, I'm looking for this guy. Go get him for me right now. Or I'm going to turn the whole office over. Wow. And he went out. He made the call to the guy's desk. The guy came in. And, you know, he's a, he looked just like Robert Chambers, one of those type of guys, you know, okay. preppy and no socks with the, with the loafers on. And, right. uh, and that was a pleasure walking, you know, cuffed, walking, uh, taking the elevator down, uh, you know, from the 150th floor. Did he say to his manager, please call Muffy, alert Muffy, I've been arrested. That's <laughs> <laughs> how so he did it, man. We hit him hard. Pray to God. Yeah. So, um, so tell us some more. Uh, so, what, you know, one of the things about arresting white collar is that, like I said, they're educated, a lot of times college educated. Uh, I locked up this guy, a Harvard Harvard grad, and he he had committed some fraud. And he and and during the interview, he said to me, "Oh, this is arbitrage." 
And I said, no, we call this grand larceny and you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did you ever do the, um, the, the uh, pedophiles on the online pedophiles? So when we were in, in computer crimes, we, I, I did not specialize that or, or I, I thought it was, but we did do those cases and yeah. do some forensics. What's really odd about it is that the, the perversion that they're into it, you know, it's just who, like, it's just, I say their brain is wired that way. Yeah. You know, like I may like tall blondes or whatever, and, and they like little children. It's just, it's just crazy. There was, there was a sergeant there who used to do the training at the, the criminal investigation course that did a demonstration and he trolled online right in front of the class and, and hooked someone. He was playing a kid and he yeah. found the pedophiles online to take the bait. I was like, look at that shit. Right. If you could do a live demo and just hook somebody like that, you know how many are out there. Right, exactly. Quite dangerous. It's quite scary. And he, he, I his, think that was Jimmy Doyle. Yeah, his tag was Officer Joe Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy still went to him like, oh, Officer Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Right. I mean, just think about that. You, you, you're giving, that, giving the bad guy you know, your, your screen name as an officer and they still... And they still... They want the... They, 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 it's an obsession. They want the pictures so bad. They want the person so bad. It's it it. That's why it's so scary. And and with the law, is is even downloading images a crime? And what level of crime is that? Right. So, uh, it, downloading images. Hold on. Of hold, a on child, me, hold on. Let me write this down. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Downloaded uh, child pornography, naked children, in sexual or or or. Uh, is is a felony in New York State. It's also a felony in California. And it's also a felony federally. So, so if they if they trade them with someone in another state, that's a federal case, right? Yes, it could be. Yeah. Wow. You hear that, Mark? Don't trade with other states. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a bad joke. I didn't mean to do that to him. But I could, so, um, could all right, so 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 from so so from uh, special frauds from white collar and bank and securities, I I went to uh, computer crimes and I said if you're going to pull off a big fraud, a big crime, uh, the way to do it is if you knew computers, because then you could insulate yourself with anonymity behind the keyboard, because because when you're doing an investigation, it only brings you to what they call an IP address, an address of the person, not necessarily the person who's uh, putting their fingers on the keyboard. Right. But, so that's another harder part of these investigations. And a lot of times the criminal may be in the Caribbean or some other, right? Some other uh, country. Right. You prosecute that. But that's so, like, um, that's what, what you're saying right there about you, it'll bring you to an IP address. That's, that's the average detective probably could get you there, but that's why they go to you in a computer crime so you can go further, right? Right. Yeah, there, there are tools that, that uh, you know, hopefully we could put the person at the keyboard. And the other thing is after, after with uh, search warrants and recovering evidence, there's usually tons of data on not only the computer, but also the cell phones. Right. I mean, your, the thing in your pocket, the little computer in your pocket has so much information about you. It, 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 it's, it's a treasure trove of Well, of that's data. what has made homicide investigation easier, not easy, but easier than it was 20 or 30 years ago, because the cell phone, everyone has a cell phone. And one thing we know about a cell phone, too, is it's a 
uh, GPS device. Everywhere you walk, it's hitting the uh, it's hitting the tower, and you know you can get the cell site information to tell us whether the perp was in that area uh, during yes. the time. You know? Yeah, not only not only the perp, but also there there's something called geofencing. If you're able to capture other phones that are nearby, uh, it would tell, tell you. That. That's super interesting, and I just read about that recently. Well, they actually could run the time and find out all the phones and electronic devices that were in that area at that specific time. Yes, yeah, it's it's, well, it's incredible. That we, we, that's amazing to us. Yeah, just think when 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 you were in a, a, a homicide squad or a detective squad before this, you would have to try to find witnesses. Like you go to the location, you talk to people, and uh, so it, it was a lot harder. Than yeah. this. Now now you have leads with video cameras, with uh, uh, videos of uh, you know lights on uh, street lights and stuff like that. There's so much data available. So what did you call that geofencing? Yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, you could a perimeter of uh, cell phones in a particular area. That's amazing. And what, and what kind of, do you need a search warrant to get that? I, I'm not gonna talk about legality on the show because this could be national or international and, and it's different in different places. Well, we are, we are international. Right. <laughs> Police off the cuff is definitely international. They might not understand this in Ireland, but there's no pubs open. So, so as you're going along in computer crime, you're picking up, you're constantly picking up more knowledge. Yeah. More applications. You're, uh, so when did you start realizing you, you probably know more than every single other person? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but I do, I do like to learn. Uh, I do like to learn new stuff. Um, and so I do like training also. So I think that what Bill was saying about uh, um, you know, just get, there, there's, a, there's a life after the police department. And so, th because of my skills, it helped a lot, right? But there's also, you have the, I think that the detectives and the police officers should realize that your 20 years experience is a lifelong learning. And there are applications in the business world, outside security, outside of... Um, of you know just just being a square badge when you retire if people decide to do that not I mean I mean it's it's I'm not saying anything wrong with it I think it's great that that there's there's opportunity but people who could think outside the box like if you have good interview skills like you could work work in human resources you you could do investigations for for big firms or, or uh, companies uh, so I, I what I would I advice I would give to cops is don't cut yourself short. When you start talking to people outside New York City, so we're we're like in this a group of cops, like you're all the same, and you don't think you're that special. But once you get out of New York City, people think that we're special, and because of our training and our expertise and and our knowledge. So I hope guys do use that skill that they've learned and the I training. Should have talked to you like uh, eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you would have went into computer crime, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I would be living in Palo Alto. <laughs> it was the same thing when uh, when auto theft was huge. Right. Assigned to auto crime was like that was the greatest job because when you retired, all these insurance companies would want to hire you because of your expertise. Right. But now that the theft of autos has gone down so tremendously, I wonder if they're in as much demand as they once were. 
Well, there's always going to be fraud, right? So I worked, I worked in special fraud. So, so insurance fraud is a fraud crime. So, so those skills can be transferred to working for insurance companies doing, right. uh, there, there is a, there's, there's investigations where someone gets into an accident and then calls and gets the insurance. <laughs> you oh, know yeah, what I mean? They do that scams. There's certain yeah. ethnic groups that specialize in that. Right. Do that, right? They, they get in, they stage car accidents and then they sue the shit out of you, right? Yeah, exactly. It's staged car accidents and it's very it's it's very organized crime yeah. because they have multiple vehicles and they actually create a uh, a scenario where you look like you're the wrong you did something wrong. Right. And then they have then they have like physical therapists and doctors on, and lawyers all lined up. It's it's incredible. The ambulance chases, you mean? Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 But but the but the organized group also have that too. They have the, they have the attorneys and 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 uh, and medical uh, people. As far as the investigation of that, when they find the certain names coming back, uh, reappearing time and time again in these accidents, does that raise a flag with some investigators? Yes. So so the insurance companies have retired a lot of retired detectives in in their in auto fraud department. Right. Um, and so, you know, just like, you know, if there's multiple accidents, the same person and, you know, it's the same type of injury there. There's actually a network of insurance uh, fraud investigators and there is actually a uh, database uh, for the insurance industry that has uh, people who've been in many accidents. So when Boris Barishnikov comes up 22 times, they say, hey, Boris is an organized crime member, right? Right, but the thing about fraud cases, fraud cases are harder to prove, right? Because you need you need two elements. You need intent and knowledge, and you have to prove those two. Right. And so that's a challenge. You know, I, um, do, in the beginning of the COVID, while all that stuff was going on, I was the victim of, uh, what's it called, a SIM scam? On your cell phone? Yeah, like I had gone to my phone. Um, I had gotten a text message and it was, it was um, I didn't understand it really. Uh, it basically said, you know, if you didn't change your carrier, uh, give us a call right now. And I was in the middle of work and I, I thought it was just some, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it when I quick looked at it. But then I realized at some point when I was trying to make an outgoing call, I wasn't able to reach my people. I wasn't getting text. So I called up Verizon and then I realized that somebody had taken my phone number. Wow. And then I, then I quickly had to start calling up my credit cards. And um, by the time I did that, my, my bank account was completely drained. You know, they took everything I had. They took the 22 bucks? <laughs> it was, uh, it was 2,600 bucks, man. And you know, I told somebody, I told somebody, uh, you know, because I work as a concierge, like in this is a residential cooperative in, in New York City, right? And, you know, they all got money there. So I'm like, yeah, they cleaned me out, man. They took everything I had, 2,600 bucks. And she's like, to, the girl says to me, Maya, is that true? That's all you have, 2,600 bucks? And I'm like, yeah, why? And I'm like, uh, she goes, you should have like six months of savings. I was like, are you kidding me? I had 2,600 bucks during the COVID. I was living large. I was like, right. like look at me. We're, we're doing the call. I got 2,600 bucks in the bank. And uh, I wound up getting it all back. But let me tell you something. It was a very, very scary situation, man. And just talking about it brought me back to that moment. It was like a horrible, horrible feeling. 
I can't imagine what it's like to lose like real money. You know, no, that is real money. That's real money. Uh, read about a guy who lost a million dollars and he goes, it's, it's not like I have a million dollars. This was my million dollars. Right. I saved up all this money. This was for my daughter's education, college education. And uh, now it's gone. I'm right. sure you get it back. You get it back, right? I got it. My well, but you know, it depends on it depends on the scam, right? It, and so, uh, if you saw there was this thing about Twitter, when Twitter was hacked recently, I don't know if you heard. Yeah. About that. So, um, what what they wanted, they wanted the money sent in cryptocurrency. So, yeah. so that that's a digital money. And so, if you transfer that money, there's almost no way you're going to get that back. They did mine in Zelle accounts. They oh, took okay. out five thousand dollars at a clip using Zelle. Wow, wow! Well, uh, my uh, a college that I work for—I won't say their name on the air—they got extorted by a uh, by a hacker that shut down all their computers, and they had they had to pay a ransom. Right. And from what I understand, they have insurance for that now. Right. But why would you pay the ransom? They're not going to fix your computers anyway, right? I mean, they're going to. So, so usually with a ransomware attack, uh, the they do release uh, and they let get you back up running once it's paid. So the early ransom attacks. So a lot of these the guys that do this, the bad guys that do this, are out of like Ukraine or former Soviet bloc, and um, so the early ransomware, like they would they would hack, let's say, a big corporate company. And they would ask for like 130 US dollars. <laughs> right. 30. Right. Well, you know, something like that's that insignificant. Yeah. And 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 so over time, they've been increasing the amount of, of, of demands in cryptocurrency. So now, like a hospital or a university, they might ask for a million dollars or half a million dollars in in, in uh, Monero or or um, or other other cryptocurrency. So let me ask some. You're John Q. Computer Geek, and you're their advisor. Are you going to advise them to pay or not to pay? So I'm. So, a lot of times, law enforcement and the FBI says to pay. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. That's crazy. It would seem like that would just make them do it more and more if they get paid. You know. So so, so the, just think of the other, you know, the other side of the, that coin. So let's say you're uh, a car manufacturer. It would take you weeks or months and hundreds of millions of dollars to get the factory up and running. Right, right. Half a million doesn't seem like, like it's that much in that case. Wow. So what brings me to the point of what I'm doing now is that, uh, that my company has created a hardware software platform that that will protect you from ransomware in, in 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 different industries. Wow! Now, are you are you an owner of the company that you're at now? Uh, I have equity in the company. Yes. Okay, so you you're one of the owners, but you're not yeah. the C CEO. I am the chief operating officer and co-founder. Oh. So me oh, me and Bill come down to uh, me and Bill come down to uh, Palo Alto. That you take us out to dinner, then, right? Of course. And, and I open up my home. I've had I've had a lot of people stay here and show them a good time. I love when my cop friends come. How big is your house then? No, it's small. It's a small ranch. It probably cost a million dollars. It's small, but it's a million, right? 
Uh, it's, hey, it's always, everything down is ridiculous. The price of everything, right? It's quite expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but it's nice, man. It's nice. Yes. Man. You did the right thing, man. God bless you. The um, it, you know, what's what's amazing is the weather is just fantastic. It's basically seventy-two and sunny about three hundred days a year. Yeah. Like it won't rain now until November or December. That's incredible. I wonder how my arthritis would do down there. <laughs> well, we'll come and visit. We'll check what, it out. How, what's the humidity like there? Is no, there's no humidity. There's no bugs. There's no mosquitoes. That's where I gotta come. That sounds like paradise, man. It. I. I feel like I'm very lucky. What do you say? I felt like maybe my uh, testicles would would dip in dip the butter, right? <laughs> uh, What's, so, yeah. the latest, what's the latest thing in computer security right now, if you can tell us? Well, I mean, to uh, protection from ransomware is definitely one. But I think the Twitter, um, the Twitter hack sort of alerted the world of the possibility that all cloud may not be secure, right? So uh, the the thing we don't know all the details of Twitter, but. But the bad guys, what they want to do is they want to be able to get what they call root access. They want to be able to have what some people call the kings, the keys to the kingdom, like that they could have access to all the accounts. And that usually happens in one of two ways, either an inside threat, which is, which is the hardest to ferret out. Uh, someone working inside the company that either they have uh, a blackmail situation or they're paying them off. That just should happen, right? That's what happened now, right? Uh, I don't, the, all the information hasn't been out on Twitter, but yeah, it does happen often. And then other times is that someone is through a phishing expedition, like they, they, they spear fish you, like they send you an email, like you did with having to your cell phone and, and it, it allows them to get your credentials, your, your name and password. And then, the bad guy becomes you on the computer network. And the, both of those something. are very dangerous. Is that because I um, may have checked my bank account on an unsecured network? Like I didn't, I wasn't using my Wi-Fi in this, in a particular place. I was just using it from, I guess, just because I have uh, data and I can go. Right. That, that's I mean, that's someone, what someone, it, it could happen that way. They could put they could put a some kind of uh, rogue program on on your computer on your on your phone, or uh, another way is that they could have uh, they could have intercepted the transmission. Uh, they call a man in the middle attack. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like I, since I wasn't using the secure network, I was just using whatever yeah. that they had a, a thing going around. They just pick off anybody who's uh, who's not secure that's out there. Right. And, 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 you know, that, that's why, I, I mean, that, that's in, in phones and computers, that's, that's one way it's done. Um, uh, but you also have to, you know, think about when you get that text or you get that email and you, you if, if the hair in the back of your neck rises up just a little bit, well, you know, take a breath and make sure like a lot of times you'll see those, those emails and it looks like it comes from, you know, a telephone provider, Verizon, ATT, T-Mobile, whatever. But it's really, if you look closely, it's really not. It's like, you know, uh, VerizonX.com or, you know, something it was like that. Them. It was them, but somebody had went and um, somehow gotten my phone number and uh, they got inside my phone. They got my personal information and they bought another phone with it. 
and they they put the phone number on that one. Wow. So all my calls and all my stuff was going to that other person. Yeah, it was a that's scary. That that sounds like the days. Remember they used to clone phones. Right. That was back in the day. I mean, that that was the early cell phones. The clone phones. The cloning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Mike, let me ask you something. Years ago, you were working for this company that made this DNA machine that could return DNA results in 90 minutes. What right. happened to that company? So so uh, that's one of the things that brought me out here to California. So if, if you remember like crime scene, you tag, tag it, bag it, and send it to the lab. And so in the crime lab, they have these multi-million dollar machines that do what they call PCR analysis. Uh, chain reaction. Yes, man. Did, did you learn that in my class? No, I taught, <laughs> I taught that shit. <laughs> um, and then the other one was restriction length polymorphism. There you go. Restriction fragment length polymorphism. Very RFMD. good. And then the other one was short tandem repeats. SP. There you go. Yeah. So, so you're a science genius. And, <laughs> and so so there, there was this company in, in, uh, in California, in, in the Bay Area, that was uh, doing that uh, DNA extraction and analysis very quickly. So, so at the crime lab, you'd have, have scientists who have a lot of experience doing this PCR and, and they would identify DNA. The, the company that recruited me um, was doing this rapid DNA, which is basically you would put the blood or the saliva or other fluids in the machine at the crime scene and run it and it would give you a DNA printout of, of um, a possible person of interest. Wow. And what, what was amazing about that is that if you talk to homicide detectives or even precinct detectives, when they send something to the crime lab, they wait months uh, yeah. for a response or an answer and sometimes years or never depending on the the, the, how many cases there are and how severe the crime is, right? right. So for property crime, we thought this, you know, it, it would be it would be useful there. But there was also, you know, hundreds of thousands of rape kits in the country that uh, weren't tested, and we thought that we could help out with that. So, yeah. so the question was, what happened? So I had, so there, I had been asked to help spread that word and, and sell it into different police departments. And so we did that for a little while and, and it, it was successful. And then what happened recently is that that company was acquired, acquired I mean, bought by a, by a giant conglomerate called uh, Thermo Fisher, which, which is actually continuing to do that. And there are some other players uh, out there that do rapid DNA. For it to be legit, doesn't the FBI have to give its stamp of approval to it? Yes. So, so the FBI national database uh, is where that data has to be stored. And, but they also can have a local database run by at, at, at the state level, like the state police or a county level uh, if you have a crime lab. Right. So, but the, to, the, the real blessing comes from the, from the FBI crime lab. Sort of like, you know how all fingerprints are sent to the FBI? Right. So the same thing with DNA. So that, that you're on national registry. So is anyone using that machine now? Yeah, there are departments using using that machine and others, and uh, and 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 so you also could be see it, you could see it being used in a, a uh, police um, um, you know arrest arrest booking situation. 
right. you know, your fingerprint photograph, DNA swab. Right. And I think they started that after I retired in New York. Uh, I don't know if that's still going on. Um, you know, the other the identification thing, which is amazing and everyone's amazed by it, is that um, the uh, family tree thing. Uh, Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com, right. That's unbelievable. Look at some of the perps they've ID'd through that. Yeah, they actually, <laughs> actually one of the biggest cases in California uh, was was closed because of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, so what they do is they'll find relatives, even though they don't have the bad guy's DNA, they can find a relative that is 60, 70, 80%, 90% match. And that gives another lead for the detective, right? Right. And so if, 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 uh, if they had my brother's DNA or my father's DNA, but they didn't have mine, but it matched really closely, they might, you know, detectives might sit out and go through their garbage and, and come up with some DNA or, or right. gum or, you know, cigarette. It's incredible, you know, it's really an incredible science, you know. Yeah. Would the you, science? knowing what you know, would you send your um, DNA in to, to find out where you're from? <laughs> or, or would you ask your parents? I asked, I, so it's a great question. Fantastic question. So no, I didn't send mine in. Uh, though I did have my sister do it. Oh, okay. I paid for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm interested too, but it's just like, um, I don't know. I'm not that. Yep. Uh, so, so there's another way to look at it. You know, if your DNA is all over the place and your fingerprints are all over the internet and in some database somewhere, there's, there's a uh, defense that could be made that maybe someone took it and put it there. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but that that's TV crime shows. <laughs> but like the detective carries around extra semen with him, you know, and plants it in the crime scene. That's so ridiculous. <clears throat> O.J. Simpson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, when you know that what was in that crime scene, it's unbelievable that the, his blood DNA was in the actual crime scene. Oh, you're talking about O.J. That right there should be enough to convict him. But there was three more tractor trailers full of evidence. And they still didn't convict him. You know? Yeah, but you know what? Um, what was the guy's name? The detective, Mark Furman. Mark Furman. He said the N word in in a script once. So all that evidence has to go out of the window. <laughs> Throw it out. Yeah, that's so. Remember you know that? what's so interesting about that is that he was doing a movie. He wrote and the script. He said it a script, and he, he had he was co like a hundred times. And he gets on the stand and DA says, have you ever said that word? And he says, no. It, yeah, and they knew that he would probably say no because he obviously you're not gonna be thinking about- setup. Uh, Yeah. You uh, should have told the truth. Yeah, but who's thinking about a screenplay? I don't know. You know, he, you're thinking about, did I ever use it in, uh, you know, out in the street and call people that, you know? So no. it, it, was, it was, that was like one of the turning points of the case, if you remember. You know what they say, Mike, you build bridges. That doesn't make you a bridge builder. Yeah. <laughs> you know the second part to that. <laughs> but you right. see one cock and you're a cock. <laughs> Life. <laughs> so uh, what is your day like over there, man? What, what? Oh, so uh, like this morning, uh, I got up at seven o'clock to a call with a tech company in Israel, uh, seeing how we could work together. And then I had a uh, all teams uh, meeting sort of like this. 
and um, and then I had a sea level meeting, and so and you know it's I'm busy all day every day, and running a company is a seven day seven days a week job. Do you With work time, remote, you work remotely all the time when you go to? Yeah, a the company's headquartered in Chicago, actually. Um, and so there, I'm out here. There's another guy in San Jose, and then there's another guy in New York City. What time do you do your yoga? Uh, I usually do that Tuesday and Thursday, about five thirty. How hot? How hot do you do you heat the room up to with <laughs> your yoga? A hot yoga. You use those rocks that someone placed them on your back, you know. You know, you know. I could go. I can ratchet that one up. We did goat yoga. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I saw that last night. That looked I like have so a friend. Fun. I have a friend who lives in Los Altos Hills, which is a nearby town, and he has he has a big property, and, and he had goat yoga. I watched that on TV yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's in, you know it's funny. We were talking about love connection before we started, and uh, last night I saw this. Um, it's called Indian Matchmaker. Okay, and it's a lady. She was famous in uh, India for being a matchmaker, so they brought her over here. To hook up the uh you know the indian population over here like matchmake over here mm -hmm. and one of the dates were to that um to that goat yoga and it was you could ask your friend about it i bet you he'll tell you that they shot it there it was really fun it looked like fun i was like i'll do that yeah it's it, i'll tell you though it, you know coming out here and and actually coming from new york and, and nypd and it it, it it you know it, there's a lot of experiences that are new and, and different so i, I eat way good. better that's for sure um you know Do all the food is grown right away what's that Do they pick up your accent right away and know you're from they usually do yeah if if they're not sure they'll say are you from new york or boston and and that's you know neither staten island staten island exactly i wanted to be an actor in the worst way man i still do you know i'm an actor now but um I remember taking a shake. Uh, I wanted to do Shakespeare and taking speech classes. And after like the third lesson, this shoe was expensive too. It was like three, four hundred bucks a lesson. <laughs> I gave her like twelve hundred bucks up front. After like the third lesson, she gave me my money back. She goes, "I can't help you." <laughs> so what are you talking about? She goes, "What are you talking about?" She goes, uh, "You don't practice enough, Mayo." And I said, "I practice every day." But, uh, you know, I got I, I got to practice. I can't practice at home at work because I'm a cop. I can't be like, wow, thou art under arrest. Come hither. <laughs> oh, that's great. A lot of times people ask, what, what's the difference uh, from New York and California? And uh, one of the things was I, I was I was walking to the store and I and and there's not a car in sight like a mile in any direction, but people wait until the flash green goes. Wow. And they cross and, the street, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I'm like, they're like, oh no, you can't jaywalk. I'm like, oh my, you know, like so so like one of the things that, that was that was definitely an eye opener. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd thing with laws. You know what I'm saying? Like at a time like that, I bet you in California, like there's probably Antifa standing on the corner waiting to go right on the other side, but they can't cross yet because. Let's go destroy that federal house. Once this light turns green, we're going to go destroy that federal <laughs> courthouse. Excellent. Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, I, you know, where I am, Northern California doesn't represent the whole state either. Right. Uh -huh. L.A. is a lot different. 
Orange County is a lot different. San Diego, up in Northern California. Um, so, well, Mike, so. last week we had Steve Cooley on, the retired uh, L.A. County DA from uh -huh. 2012, and he was uh, he was very conservative, which we were very surprised that he got elected three times. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It, it you know it depends. Like Orange County is very conservative, right? Yeah, and, and just think about historically, like uh, Ronald Reagan was from California, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. I mean, right. these are these are conservative types. I did security for him years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, walking all over the city, everyone's going, Arnold, I'll be back, I'll be back. <laughs> like that's my line, you know. Right. <laughs> he took a '56 jacket. I went into Armani. You know, and you can see he loved taking his jacket off. He's got these, you know, 22 inch guns and they, it was, the jacket was 56. And that's huge for a guy that weighs like 230. Right. right. His shoulders were like so gigantic. Did you pick up yourself an Armani suit? Negative. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't afford that, you know. The socks. <laughs> Most people that wear Armani get the shit for free too. You know, that's the disgusting thing, you know. The yeah. real wealthy people, they're in the acting business they want them to wear their clothes so they give it to them for free you know i believe it that's when they saw my 52 inch chest <laughs> <laughs> so it's tell us you know what is what's going on what are you what's the most interesting stuff you're working on now um well i think i think that um well, I could talk about one of the things that I think is interesting is, is using technology for law enforcement investigations. I just did a talk down in Monterey, and I, I talked about uh, new technologies in law enforcement and investigation. And one was like, there's uh, a software that may or may not be used by NYPD or other company, other police departments called PredPol and Palantir, and they do something called predictive policing. Yeah, I've seen that. So predictive policing is sort of, um, you know, almost like what we, we talked about earlier, like going through the 60s, 61 sheets. Uh, they said where crime may happen. Right. And, and so I think that's really interesting. I think. But Mike, it seems like every new thing that comes out, they'll say that's racially biased. You can't use that. You know, they're predictive policing also because the, the, the data is from historical information. Things that happen, and that they say, "Well, this place gets X amount of shootings. You're probably going to get one tomorrow night." You know, right? I, yeah, I under you know you have to you understand both sides of that coin, right? You, you know, one way is looking at data, historical data, but but uh, we'll, we'll give you an answer. But there's something called implicit bias, right? So so the people who wrote the algorithm, maybe there was an implicit bias. I, you know, I, I I don't know how that. How, if that's really a good analysis. There's books you can read. I read this book is called uh, Weapons of Math Destructions. And it talked about how, you know, data and implicit bias challenges uh, people. So I don't know, uh, that, that's one area that's, that's really interesting. I think facial recognition is really interesting. I think that's amazing. And that's another thing that they want to take that tool away from law enforcement too. Say right. it's biased, you know, come on. What, how many tools are you going to take away from what they want to take the gang databases away from the NYPD? Like, yeah. say you're not allowed to use those anymore. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if, um, 
I have this theory about privatized policing. Uh-huh. And uh, just it's my theory is that that's that's the goal. That's where we're heading towards in the future. Um, and by that, I mean gated communities and semi-gated communities. And, uh, you know, you'll still have your municipalities, but they'll be scaled down. And people who can afford it will be paying a tax where they have, wherever they live to have their private security. And I have a feeling like those private securities companies will be able to use this stuff because they're private companies. All the stuff that you're talking about right now. Right. <clears throat> Well, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the data that, that leads to uh, catching bad guys is held generally by public corporations, right? Google and Apple, I mean, uh, Twitter, uh, they're, they're the ones that control all of the information, right? Gmail. So, <clears throat> so you're, the, the thing about it is that private, will private be able to get that information I don't know because you know there's there's a legal barrier to get that information like subpoena and stuff, but the technology like facial recognition, you know that may there there's that may not be in a government database. It might be in a private database, right? So you could have you can have facial recognition put into a school or put into uh, um, uh, retail sales. Like like you you shoplifted at Macy's. Mm-hmm. Macy's may have your face. And in a database, so anytime you go into Macy's, they'll have they'll follow you. Mm-hmm. And now you have to look at as civil liberties. Is that racist? If if it's that's the case, you know. So so it is challenging. That used to happen to me whenever I went in there and I had owed like so much money on my Macy's card, <laughs> and like I used to get there to pay, and then the lady goes, "Do you have a Macy's card?" I'm like, "Shh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna pay in cash." Uh, you always know when he's coming up with a bit, you know. You always know when it's coming, you know. <laughs> but some of these, you know, the science of some of these new toys, there's also an X-ray thing that a cop can point at someone on the street, and you can see whether they're armed or not. Yeah. So, so like that, you know. There's a legal. I actually, I actually had a meeting with a company um, that is building a product that would be able to identify clothes under, under and uh, they're looking to sell it into schools. I, ha- I have other ideas that I'm gonna help them with, right. but uh, you know, a young, young smart kid uh, and, and that's, that's the, what he's working on. And would so they, you- Would they call that an illegal search and seizure? Because I, would, I, I think that would be illegal because you're using electronic means, but you know, I guess it, there's no court case yet. It's like going to an x-ray machine in the airport. You're going to get locked up if you have a gun. Yeah. yeah. But in some of these carry states, you know, it'll be pointless because they can carry. Well, no, but in the inner cities where most of the shootings and, and the, uh, the mayhem is happening every weekend, that could be a really... Important. That was in a movie. I think it was with Arnold, too, where he's walking through the airport and then whoever's... And then every single person that's walking, it's kind of reading them. It's looking them up and down. Uh, and it's just scanning them and you can see what exactly what they have on them. That, yeah, I, there is technology that does that. There's also technology being that's going to be, oh, yeah, I remember they had Google glasses. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, there's a lot of work being done on that right now to, for a reboot. Um, so, so that uh, with faith, if you just think about a future cop will have, if, if civil liberties allow this and court cases allow this, that if you could wear glasses you, and you ran into somebody, you actually would know who he is, his date of birth, 
his DNA, his criminal history, all that just in your eyeglasses. Yeah, because then you could uh, actually, would, it would change the way that you deal with that person. You knowing right. it already, it would, right. you know, obviously that would save lives. Right, or, or violate civil liberties, whichever side you're on. Oh, well, sure, they're gonna challenge that. <laughs> Everything violates civil liberties. Well, at least, I mean, if you had somebody coming up to you and you you knew right away that this, like within seconds, that this person was a felon and they just got released from prison, you'd be you'd be up more apt to pay attention. Correct. Yeah. You know what I'm so saying? There's a good safety issue there. Um, yeah, there's, the technology is just leapfrogging, uh, you know, every day, computing well, power. Not, like even um, I talked to, I have two friends that are uh, doctors at Wake Forest Medical School. Uh, Wake Forest University, and they say, you know, artificial intelligence in the medical field can do amazing things, but it also will eliminate lots of jobs, you know, because it so, can read an MRI, it can read an x-ray, it can read an MRI, and only one person, the doctor has to check, check against the machine, but it does an incredible job and much quicker. So, so I'll push back on you on that. So about many years ago, a machine, an x-ray was developed and they said they would, that, that created a whole field of, of uh, orthopedic doctors. And they said, oh, then they came out with the uh, MRI and, the, and, and that, that, that's gonna do away with all, all the doctors. It, it, just, it just helps them. It doesn't, I don't think it, it, it disrupts, the, the technology disrupts it, but it doesn't eliminate it. Now, manufacturing a car that Tesla's doing, that eliminated jobs. But there's always, then there's also software engineers that write the code. Well, how is artificial intelligence being used in law enforcement for future applications? Uh, let's see. So that, the, the, the software companies that are predicting, uh, that, that's one way. Um, yeah, I, I, and what, what you're doing is that you're teaching the computer to think, right? And so by giving it more and more data, it's, it's gonna come out to a faster answer. I mean, I think that's the best answer I could give. Right. Huh. Um, so you, don't, you don't have a specific way that- Application? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 so, so there, there's, a, there's a company uh, here in, in Palo Alto called Palantir that, that does, that use a lot of artificial intelligence to uh, look at big data to identify uh, different uh, opportunities or different, uh, it's used supposedly in the government to identify bad guys and terrorist investigations. And, you know, some police departments to use it. I think there's like 13 police departments that, that use their uh, technology. So that that you said uh, some of the bigger tech companies are the ones who own these applications or own the patents to these applications, right? Yeah. Because I saw that Google didn't want law enforcement to use their facial recognition technology. Right. Yeah. It, so so that that's a that's a business decision, right? So Amazon also has one called Recognition. Um, that's a facial recognition uh, software, like. Our facial recognition, there's facial recognition in the back end of this video, right? From the company that is providing the service. You mean Zoom? Yeah. Uh, so, so that this, so this interview is, is stored somewhere and the words that we're using, 
That's where artificial intelligence and machine learning is. So we're talking police. So in the background, in some server somewhere, there's gonna be our three names and then with, with connection to either police terms or, or different things. You think they'll and, then take, and there's a computer. You think they'll take walks $2,400? <laughs> right, now, so you're saying that there's a computer documenting that we uh, police, one of the police terms is bulls dipped in butter. Yes, yeah. So, so you're going to see that on on some dictionary somewhere. <laughs> Urban dictionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coplingo, coplingo period. We could do a whole show on coplingo. Coplingo, yeah. That that'd be that'd be I think a, a six hour show. That's part one. Let the part <laughs> unknown, you know. It's tough enough uh, to you know to say a cop term over here in New York with. Uh, with a civilian, but I can imagine if you're like a New York cop and you're now you're in, in California and you're saying, ah, that's a ground ball. Well, that's a bag it's of shit. <laughs> yeah. What, what a Megillah. A Megillah, that's a good one. Yeah, off the building at me. <laughs> right? This is a I, bag of shit. <laughs> this is a bag of shit, exactly. What, what, a, what a skull. Stay away from that. That's a skull right there. <laughs> that, yeah. that guy's the chief suck boy. <laughs> he looks like a perp. <laughs> the chief's little ball swabber. <laughs> Boy, yeah, he's he's got a crane, you know. Yeah, he's got, he's got a, a crane, crane, right? Not a hook. He's got a crane. That's right. That's right. He's had a charmed career. He's a do nothing. Right. He's a do nothing. An empty suit. Empty suit. Hair bag. The house mouse and then the, the palace guard at one pp, right? The broom. <laughs> The broom, all these. I mean, yeah, yeah, the broom, the broom. <laughs> Back in the day, the flute was the was the coke bottle with whiskey in it for the desk officer. Oh. Doesn't happens much anymore though. The flute, the flute they called it. Yeah, the flute. That's great. Back into you know NYPD historical history. You know when everyone was Irish and everyone was drinking, right? That is true. All the, especially the, the Manhattan detective squads. Right? Have you met a lot? They of, ate well and drank well. Is have what you I met heard. a lot of LA cops or California cops? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't tell you this, but uh, I, I did a little stint uh, as a detective out here. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. How'd you do that? What happened? Uh, so uh, I had finished up with one of my companies, and and I said, ah, maybe I'll go back into law enforcement and take a shot. So I, so I just vaguely Googled fraud detective and then an investigative position came up in the state and I did that for a little while. And so I did meet a lot of cops. One difference was their FTO program is a lot more stringent than ours is. The what program? Like guys don't make it through. Field training officer. Oh, okay. So oh, when you're when you graduated, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you're set. You still have to make it through field training. Yeah, and it's 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 very stringent, like you know, document and the and the officers, uh, you know, really uh, document uh, deficiencies, and you can get thrown out of the academy very easily. From a TV show, uh, The Shield. Uh, I think you know, um, remember the show The Shield, Michael mm -hmm. Chiklis. Mm -hmm. Well, they were supposed to be like a version of the Rampart Division, but there was also. In the command that they worked in, there was uniform personnel, and some of those people in the first season were being evaluated by their FTU. And I, there was one episode where, uh, you know, this guy was really scared because the female was like uh, the new person 
there was like a thing going on and he messed up on a job, whatever. And he was scared that he was, because also it almost seemed like they worked by contract too. It wasn't the, I, maybe it was just the field training that they had to get past before they became like a steady. Right. Yeah. You have to get through field training uh, before you're, you get, and then you have to do one full year and then you're sort of like uh, the union will protect you or you'll keep your job unless, you know, tenure or something. Yeah. You almost get like tenure. Right. Yeah. Do you see the level of disrespect for cops on the West Coast that is true on the East Coast and other parts of the country right now? Um, yeah, it's it's so what's really weird is like remember I was saying that I I, I didn't tell anybody that I was NYPD and then right. I started telling him but now I don't want to tell him again. Uh, and, and just the problem in, in my opinion is that the the data feed that they receive in either their inbox or their 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 feeds or the me media that they watch it just the algorithm that's set up by these tech companies here is is moving you further further right or further further left and and so so the way the algorithm is set up is that you still get the news that you like to ingest and then the algorithm feeds itself and you get more and more of that information so right. you you see the worst of the other side and the best of your side, no matter what side you're on. And, and, and I think that's, that's problematic. Well, that's problematic with Facebook too, is that when you get so much negative shit and, and you'll see negative shit from a month ago and you're like, I, that, that's from a month ago. Why are they bringing that back up? You know what I mean? So, so all that is done and in, in, in talking about machine learning and AI is taught it to understand you, who you are. So right. the, 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 the granularization, like it's a granular information about you. And, and they, the, then the political part is where, where can we, where, where do we get to him to go, go our way? Right. It, and, and so it's, it's a little scary, I think. It's sort of like mind control in a way. So they've actually done studies here, like some, I, uh, some of the tech companies where they've tested and changed persons uh, feelings or personality or who they, not who they are, but, but could change their, how they're feeling about something. So manipulative. And they do that with the gaming too, right? Uh, of, 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 uh, the gaming apps. Right. You know, they get you to get more and more involved and it's all done through psychology and research. Wow. It's not happenstance. So that's why with elections, these, uh, these sites on the internet are so important to each party because they're to constantly bombard you with information, whether it's true or not true. But that's, they're saying they could sway the, the election just with some of the stuff they put on the internet. Yeah, there's, there's good research that says that that, that has already happened. Right. Um, and and so, so now the, the, you know, the major parties are trying to figure out how to, how to figure, how to, how to how to find out information about people? Well, that's why Trump is on Twitter constantly, right? He's trying to. Uh, I'm sure he has millions of followers on Twitter, but I'm sure the Democrats are doing it too, right? Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that's the way you want to get your message out and and try to influence the people to your side. Well, you know, <laughs> even with our show, we we do tremendous on Facebook and mm -hmm. Anchor and that, but YouTube for some reason. We can't catch on. We think they're slowing us down purposely because we're cops. So, so if you pay for search engine optimization, they call it SEO, 
and you get on the top of the Google list and pay for it, you, you'll see your YouTube increase. Wow. That's interesting. What's the, how much does that usually cost? Uh, we could just take it right out of your bank account. Don't worry about it. You want to clean out your bank account. <laughs> $2,200 right. to so do it. Listen, I know that's a, that's a fact because like, you know, like um, if, if you look up comedy clubs, for example, mm -hmm. in New York City. So I'll put in the name of a comedy club because I want to see what time I got to be there. And then all of a sudden, this other comedy club will always come up on top of that one, even though I put in that comedy club's name and they're completely different. They don't start in the same initial or anything, but that first, the one that comes out on top, I bet any comedy club you put in, they, they must've paid for that thing then, right? Right. So, so it's a, there's a whole industry called SEO, search engine optimization. And yeah, so advertisers and getting to the top of the Google search is what you want. Right. And at some point, like if you're the other comedy club and you're like, well, you know, I want to be on top, at least well, when they look for me, then I got to pay too. It might be 2300. You're going to have to borrow 100 from uh, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe once we start making money, maybe we'll be more concerned with that, you know, and try to try to do that. But we're not making money doing this right now. So we're just, you know, basically uh, thrilling the airwaves with our presence. <laughs> I've. It's fun. It's good seeing you guys. Good talking to you. I never, I never met Mark. I think that's fun to meet Mark. Yeah, this was and great. We got, a place, we got a place to stay in California, Mark. You're welcome, both of you. You know, yeah, for a lot of our show, especially in the early episode, we, we've concentrated on um, not only great law enforcement and, and just the diversity of the job and the interesting things that you can do on this job. We had Mike Carew, who was in scuba. You know, we every every not many police departments have all these different units in it. You know, and they're all interesting in their own right. But then, what what people do after they retire, you know, because especially now when you watch these protests and somebody's screaming and yelling at you, and um, you know, oh, you make this amount of money, and then you you know, I'm smarter than you because a lot of these people that are out there, they're academics, whatever, they're abusing the cops, and a lot of people go on to they were cops first and they're, they're su su successful in so many other fields. Right. You know, not everybody's like me, you know, a lot of, a lot but of you have, of you have your own, you have your own path of comedy. That's awesome. <laughs> no, Mark, you know, you're hundred percent right. It, it's such a diverse population that's on the New York city police department. How many guys did you see that had law degrees? Yeah. How many guys were accountants, you know, how many people were in the medical field? Nurses. That was I was in the academy of the guy that was on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was in our company. Not, not my company, but he was in my gym block. Such Man, a diverse he population. <laughs> you know, a lot of skills. How many cops are funny, funny guys? There's oh, my God. Hysterical. Right? I, I, you know, I, that's, that's why I decided to apply out here is that, you know, you don't miss the job. You miss the people. And you, you know, you miss the stories. And and I like I like hanging out with cops. I like talking to cops. I generally almost everyone I know is a good guy down doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And 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 the media is portraying that we're out to hurt people. And no, yeah. no, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, how many people have you shot? I'm like, 
that's the first question you ask somebody? Like, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. And then when you say no, you just became the most boring person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, it, everybody guilty when you say none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody loves a good "I shot him in the head" story. Yeah, I guess. Even the most, even the most leftist, pacifist person, man, they'll come up to me. Oh, you were a cop? Did you ever shoot anybody? And then, like, when I say no, they just walk away. Like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you think you think it was the complete opposite, and the media is saying that um, you know everybody who's been on the job realizes you don't want to get into a shootout. You don't want to go to an internal affairs investigation. You don't want to go through a grand jury investigation, and you just want to get home at the end of the day. Right. And and that story is 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 in every police department in the country. No one's gone, you know, as far as I know, I never met anyone that went out to go hurt people. No. And you know, yeah. the thing is, is that New York City police, I think, use probably the most, the most restraint of any department in the country. <laughs> so, so, you know, like I said, I went out here and then when I was in computer crimes, I used to train law enforcement throughout the country. And uh, I think they're extremely well-trained in the NYPD. Uh, this, this verbal judo, de-escalation. These are words that are just becoming popular in law enforcement and other agencies. Right. So. Different agencies, uh, you know, like in Colorado, they were doing the, uh, I'm part of the, you know, I do some acting in the, uh, it's called CIT, Crisis Intervention, How to Handle Mental Illness. And mm -hmm. one of our actors was doing it in Colorado for about nine years before he came here. So different agencies, um, you know, pick up, um, uh, you know, different training and they go with it. And then other agencies pick it up. New York is probably uh, ahead of the pack and a lot of it, especially when it comes to like computer crimes and stuff like that. I'm sure you guys were uh, getting called by other agencies all the time. Yes, local, state and federal, for sure. Especially in the beginning. Uh, now, a lot of agencies are catching up. In the early days, it was the San Jose PD, New Jersey State Police, uh nypd they were the they were the pioneers but also you know the nypd after we, we had a police commissioner that became the president of the united states we were the first to have emergency services you know like school but aviation all of these right. yeah 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 what kind of did the nypd send you to some really cool training as far as the computer oh um yeah, I, I, I probably can't come up with, but you know, forensics is one way. So like going deep into the computer and, and uncovering deleted files. Right. That was That's always interesting. cool. That's interesting. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, so deleted files. Yeah, so deleted files um, is, is, if you do a proper forensics, you could find deleted files on, on a computer. And now that the computers are a lot different now, they're, they're solid state drives. In the old days, they had the they you know the data would be put on a disk, but um, uh, so deleted files were a little more challenging to find in the early days, and not so much now. And now the software and hardware companies that actually create forensics, there's a few out there that that are really good. In the beginning, we were sort of we had some detectives who were writing the code themselves, you know, wow. not me, I, but you know, some sharp guys. A uh, guy, uh, Callahan and, and Mark Kirshner and a couple other guys. Pretty, that guy Mark Kirshner was uh, in CIC with me. <laughs> okay. I remember his name. Yeah. You guys in uh, computer crimes, you weren't probably going to um, 
Metro 700, though, on Tuesday nights, though, right? In Long Island? Take, take, take uh, do a four to four, you take three hours lost time? You didn't, you didn't do that? I guess not. I don't know what that is. Sorry. That's a totally different way to do the job. Okay. <laughs> These guys were, I was in the bag. Where are we going tonight, fellas? Got it. But yeah. Oh, four to four is, I get that, but I, I don't know. Well, no, you, you work mostly days in computer crime, right? I mean, why they really need you that at night? No, mostly days, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah same, with, same with frauds, right? Your banking hours. Did yeah, you get yeah. a car too? In the phone? Uh, Take home car? You didn't get that? Maybe I in frauds. That <laughs> was yeah, we had a car in frauds uh, for a little while, but I, my partner had like 30 years on the job uh and computer crimes they we they, in the early days they the chief of detectives kind of didn't know what we did and so he didn't have uh they didn't give us resources yeah. i mean like we'd ask for these big budget items like a, a forensic computer that was like twelve thousand dollars and you know i'm like what the hell you know that's a lot of money what i was saying was uh you know you get that take home car in, in certain units that you work in as a detective and whenever whenever i was asking around when i was in the squad and i wanted to get out of there i would ask around well, what do you do you know how you always get that question from uh, other detectives where they meet you like what what, do you, what hours do you guys do what what do you do you know right you want to see how that fits into your lifestyle and they're like and then they, you know when they're bragging they're like yeah i got a take home car i got a phone i don't want none of that fuck that because <laughs> that means they, they can call you that means they're gonna want you to show up at work when you're not supposed to <laughs> yeah, now yeah. G now with gps in the cars oh my god but you uh, get that take home car, everywhere. call you anytime and the phones they have the gps on the phone so oh, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you have a department phone I, I used to love that mike being a boss and someone was doing an eight to four and they'd show up at noon and they'd say, oh, Sarge, can I sign in today? And they go, no, you can't. And like, they didn't understand, like, there's a camera right in front of this building. <laughs> showing you walk in, walking in at noon, right? And, and, and then they, if you take a bridge or a tunnel, your easy pass tells what time, you know. So, yeah, I'm going to just okay you to steal four hours from the city, you know. When, when I did have a take-home car, it, that was definitely a, a, like a, uh, a uh, bonus because of uh, the toll going over the Verrazano. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, well, that's why guys do it. They don't want to put the, the mileage on their car, you know. And so the toll now with the Verrazano is like 13 bucks, right? Or even more, more than, than that. More, what it's, is like, it? it's at least 17, 18 bucks. I think it's 18, but I, oh, someone God. could probably, some guy, somebody could call in and, and correct me. Yeah, it's uh, that's uh, Staten Island is like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I had a really hot chick that lived in Staten Island, man. And I went there to see her once. And <laughs> after that, it was just like the traffic was insane. I was like, somebody asked me what happened to that girl. I'm like, ah, I not. couldn't afford her. <laughs> no, I, I just <laughs> didn't want to, I didn't want to go to Staten Island anymore. And like, she might as well lived in Paris because I wasn't going there either. Right. You know? So anyway, listen, Mike, I want to, I want to say thank you for coming in. And, and uh, you know, taking time out of your day. I know you got a, a yoga class and a smoothie to fit. <laughs> He's heating up. I, 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 I'm getting a, I, I, an acai bowl in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> He's heating up that room right now. He's, got He's gonna go do some dope yoga. Bodybuilders gonna, <laughs> gonna give him a rub down. <laughs> I tell you, man, if, if I didn't feel bad enough about my life, man, 
<laughs> Boy, you holy cow, man! That's you got some existence out. God bless you, man. Yeah. At least I feel jealous too. Right. He's living in California, he's living large. Hey, I'm happy that you're doing so well. Man. Yeah, man. Wow. I'm, I, I would you. tell people, man, I'm a, I'm a professional bad decision maker. <laughs> you got a problem? You, you want you want help? Ask me. Whatever I tell you to do, do the, do the opposite. Yeah. I, can you can you pick some stocks for me? Oh, well, I would tell you to go in anything that involves uh, 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 security companies. Oh, and Gates. Investing Gates in security. Okay. Did you watch that video when um, when the two people were out in their lawn, the guy with the with the, the machine gun or the, the right, whatever the fuck yeah, that right was, and his things. wife? Yeah. No, I did not. You didn't see that? They came it, in. That algorithm doesn't play here in Palo Alto. <laughs> I know, no it probably doesn't. There was the, they were in the gated community, and the, and the BLM, the, the, the protesters, they wanted to go and bother the governor. But they, mm -hmm. she lived there, or they lived in that gated community. So they took down the gate, and this couple came out, and they're on their lawn protecting their property. He's got, like, I don't know, I don't know, about AK-47, and she's got a gun. It's a famous meme right now. That's crazy. But you know, everybody's looking at that thing. They're like, how do you feel about it? I'm like, they needed a better gate. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is wrong with that? You know, you want to get like, I want the gate that Trump is using for the border. That's my gate. Got it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Grease it up, electrocute that fucking thing, and let's go, man. <laughs> you know, let's get this protest on. So I'm investing in gates right now. That's that's pretty good. There's money, there's definitely good. Good stock in Gates, that's for sure. <laughs> well, if you want to, Mike, what, what do you want to promote here? What, what can we uh, boost up for you? No, nothing to promote. Just uh, guys stay safe there and, and follow the rules and, and do the right thing. And, and hopefully uh, things will work out. And just think that the experience and training that we got from the NYPD goes a long way. Yeah. A lot further than you think talking to each other when you get outside New York. People really respect it. Well, that's All right, good, man. It's good to know. Um, listen, if you come back to New York on any type of business, man, hit us up. We'll uh, we'll go out for drinks. I'd love you. that. I, I will definitely do that. I don't know when that's going to happen with COVID, but um... yeah, neither do I. But when it when it does, you come. I put we'll go we'll bring you to a comedy show. You hang out. You have a nice time. I'd love that. I'd love that. And you guys are welcome to come here. Stay here. I'll show you all the the fun things in in uh, the Bay Area. Yeah, I would love to, man. That sounds great. Bill, any part like words? One thing, uh, this Thursday, we have uh, Dr. Darren Porcher, the, uh, probably the most successful talking head right now. He's on He's on every damn station there is. He's going to come on police off the cuff after hours this Thursday night. And Mike, thank you so much for coming on. You, it's funny. When was it, 2000 you taught at John Jay? Because you were my professor. And I know it was a 2000, 2001. I can't remember. Yeah, it was definitely... Before 9-11. Before 9-11, yes. Yeah. So That's that like sort of like demarcation, right? Yeah, I started in 2000, 2000 and then 9-11 hit, and that semester was like a wash, you know? Yeah, I actually, there, there was no such class as computer crime, cyber criminology. I, I, I designed the class and wrote the class. And, That's and great. I'm so, glad you enjoyed it. It was great. I, I, I hand it off to other people. I guess it's still going on there. And I got an A, too. So it's, you know. Wow. <laughs> Did we go out for drinks? You can't even think of giving me anything but a fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that, literally. <laughs>
Did, did we go out for drinks? Maybe. Oh, yeah, no, you, you, you took us to, there was a party at this bar that's yeah. not even around. They had great food. It was on like um, 19th Street, but on the West Side Highway. I can't think of the name of the place now. And there was a party there and everything was OTA. And yes. You took us there and the people were like, who the fuck are they? Well, they're my students at John Jay. They were like pissed at you for bringing like, you brought like six people. <laughs> I like to share. It was great. God bless you, man. God bless you. A lot of fun, man. All right. All, All right, right. Thank you a lot for coming out, Mike. It was a pleasure. It was a, my pleasure, you. too. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, guys.